As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My next guest is Tori. He's a best-selling author, writer, and podcaster. Tori is well-known for his work on Cycle on NSNBC, Hip Hop Shop on Fuse, The Black Carpet on BET, I'll Try Anything Once on Treasure AD, and Spoken Heard on MTV, and it's the first pop-up culture correspondent on CNN. Tori hosts a new series, I'm very excited to announce, Masters of the Game, a monthly one-hour program on The Grill. As host, on his one-on-one interview with living legends and intimate settings, Tori and his special guests will discuss their crafts, brilliance, and roads, something I try to do on here, but he's doing it at a much higher level, and I respect that. Please welcome the host of Masters of the Game, the one and only, Tori. How you doing, sir? Thanks, man. Thanks, man. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, your face is so familiar. And it's, that's a compliment because Thank I, but if, 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 and I say that in a complimentary way because it's been on so many different platforms. Thank you know, you. when it came into my life, it was on a tennis platform. My daughter was striving to be the next Venus Williams, and Thank she tore a knee at 19, and now she's a college graduate and, and honors graduate in graphic design, so I'm happy. But she was a prodigy at 16, and so, you know, in that world, I like to go into that before we get into the masters, because I think that's what the whole thing is about, people's lives and perspectives, and you have mm-hmm. such a unique perspective, because you've done so many things, Tori, mm-hmm. so many things well. In the name of tennis, what are the upsides of a young person going to that sport and what are the downsides? Ooh, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of my life playing. Um, I just got off the court playing this morning. I play every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, played junior tournaments throughout my youth. I mean, definitely one of the upsides is learning how to deal with pressure. When you get to a certain level and you've had adults pushing you and investing their time and money in you, and they maybe fly you to some tournament and they want to see results, they want to see you try hard, they want to see you do well, um, you feel a lot of pressure because the guy on the other side uh, or the girl on the other side is dealing with the same stuff. Mm -hmm. None of these kids paid to fly themselves there. Mm -hmm. Um, So there can be a lot of pressure. Learning how to deal with pressure Mm -hmm. is very valuable. And when I got, I started getting into my live television career, Mm -hmm. I was not paralyzed uh, by the pressure of being on live CNN or whatever it was, MSNBC, whatever, because I was like, I've been nervous before and still perform because it's, you know, add out 
and my dad is watching. Right. And like, we beat this kid. <laughs> now, I mean, I can't think of a lot of cons, but I mean, that sort of mental strain on someone who's 12 or 14 or 16 can be a lot. And can it be, it can be damaging. Um, it wasn't to me. Um, although, you know, the most, most of the most stressful moments of my childhood, uh, were on a tennis court in terms of the amount of pressure that the adults around me were putting on me to succeed. Um, but, um, you know, I I see others who are dealing with more trauma from their childhoods in tennis than me. I still enjoy the game. I still play all the time. I still play tournaments all the time. Um, you know, you learn self uh reliance self resilience you are out there by yourself you cannot pass the ball or take a break you can't even turn to the coach and say hey like what should i do here you got to figure out your problems by yourself you have to do all the things by yourself as opposed to a team sport um you know it's you who makes it or doesn't so i mean like you know that that learning that is is a great life lesson that's a great life lesson but, but like you said pressure pressure at every age is not always good but then you had an opinion you have an opinion now tori when you played tennis did you have an opinion Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, I started playing tournaments when I was 10. Right. Um, So, you know, how much of a political opinion did I have then? But, you know, my parents were always talking about political ideas. Um, That was a big part of our constant conversation. What was going on in the world with Jimmy Carter, with affirmative action, with Ronald Reagan, what have you. So I was aware of the world and I had strong opinions about the world. And I think that by the time I definitely got to be 16, 17, 18, I had strong opinions about the world and, you know, black people and where we were going. So, you know, I mean, that was always part of my life. Right. Now, it's always, everything's a brand. Now, your name has become a brand. There's, there's no last name when you are introduced. When was that? Was that a was that a, um, a decision made by management? A decision made by you? How the decision that came about? So you know, some this, this first name is 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 the one. This is my brand. This is what I'm gonna ride it out with. That's a great question. It wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with branding in the way that people talk about branding Today. now. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was going. After I finished high school, I started to have just some larger thoughts about me and my place in the world. And I was thinking about how my first name was something that my parents had very actively searched out and chosen for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, the government name was something that we really didn't know anything about. Um, You know, my father's father uh, had died before he was born. We had no photographs. We had no records really didn't have any stories. I had a friend who, uh, still a friend to this day, who was Irish. And uh, on the wall in their family room, they had like, you know, going back 16 generations into Ireland, you know, this one, this one, this one, this one. Um, We had nothing of that in my family. And I felt that rupture in the family that I think a lot of African-Americans experience. And my way of reflecting that was, Torre is the name that, that was chosen for me that links back to African history. And the last name was something that didn't have that same 
uh, resonance for us because there was no story, there was no people, there was no history connected to it for us. So I said, you know, going into college, I'm going away from my family. You know, my my parents and my sister were a constant presence uh, on my high school campus, but in college, I would be more at a chance to sort of redo some things you could say. And so I said, okay, like this is one way I want to do that. So when I first begin writing for the local, for the college paper, um, it's always with one name. Um, I wrote a story when I was in, an essay when I was in college for the Philadelphia Tribune that was with one name. So even the first things that I'm writing uh, publicly were, were just one name. We'll be right back with more Money-Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Now let's return to Money-Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. You know, it's always interesting because my name is Rushan, and I know that if I, my name was Ricky, I'd be a different person. But because the <laughs> uniqueness of my name and then the enunciation of my name, because at one time people would say Russian, Rashawn, and then a friend of mine said, he said, pick a lane, Rashawn. Are you Russian or are you Rashawn? Pick a lane. I said, okay, I'm Rashawn. And I, and I fought for it to be Rashawn. So I know it does make a difference when you, like I said, when I made that decision, it wasn't about branding. I just made the decision, this is how I wanted to be recognized. And to be recognized does lay the pathway because that uniqueness, whenever I heard your name, it, it resonated with me because it stood for something. It stood for you. And with that being said, it has allowed you to me to be able to say, I'm just not a tennis guy who can just talk on tennis. I'm just not. How were you able to start cultivating the brand? Because we have to talk about it because you are a brand and, and sure. a recognized brand. That's why you're hosting the show Masters of the Game because people are, are recognize you as an intellectual. They recognize you as an, uh, as an authentic. They recognize you as a person who can, who can cultivate conversations, whether it's entertainment, whether it's hip-hop or athletics. That's a beautiful thing for people to respect you from, and as as a writer as well. So, the brand of developing you leaving tennis. You talk about Philadelphia Inquirer. When you started realizing, you know, some I can do this. I can expand this, and I can build a career out of this. Um, you know, I think I was always confident that I could be a professional writer. I wasn't necessarily certain uh, when I moved to New York exactly how you do that, but I knew (laughs) that I could do it if I could get in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, Masters of the Game is great because it does give me a chance to sort of stretch out on a wide array of topics. So we talked to Francis Tiafo, the great tennis player. We talked to uh, Tyler Perry. You know, everybody knows who he is. Keenan Thompson, great comedian, and Don Peebles, the great uh, real estate uh, uh, tycoon. So it sort of really stretches my muscles. I've had a few things that I am super passionate about, be it politics and black people, um, culture and how that speaks to black people, especially hip hop, but all sorts of black culture. and 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 tennis and within black culture i would include you know the sort of sports conversation that i've had i'm not a sports sports guy like uh, like a michael smith or something like that but like in terms of the black cultural nature of sports i have been part of that conversation i i'm super interested in a small number of subjects and i have sought out 
opportunities to talk about those things and I've gotten the opportunity to talk about those things. I was always interested in politics. Right. But in my 20s, nobody was going to hire me to talk about politics, but I was able to get on at Rolling Stone and write about culture. In my 30s, I was given more of a chance to talk about politics, so I added that. Um, All along, I always talked about tennis um, when I got the opportunity mm-hmm. uh, and I had some really interesting opportunities to write about tennis and, you know, it wasn't really about, I really wasn't thinking about branding. I was thinking about these are the things that I love that right. I'm interested in. So let me talk about these different things. Um, I mean, you know, I think about my father put a lot of time and energy into my tennis when I was growing up. And when I got into my forties and he got sick and I hadn't been playing for several years, I started to think about like all that he had poured into me through that mm-hmm. and honoring him by, well, dishonoring him potentially by not utilizing that information right. <laughs> and then saying like, well, let me see if I can get back on the court and use that that he taught me. And um, it's been partly a way of honoring him mm-hmm. um, through getting back to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are just, the things that I love and feel happy talking about. You know, it's really interesting, um, your personality, because, you know, success and your success is always tied to the fact that you you seem to be a normal conversationalist, you know, because you just mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, T-04, you know, then, he, then you mentioned Tyler Perry, billionaire. Then you mentioned uh, Don People, a near real estate billionaire. You, you mentioned, I, I know Don People. You mentioned Donald Trump around him. He like he he just goes really stop. He, he was given his he was given his real estate. I earned my Rashad. I earned mine. And then you mentioned Kenan Thompson. You know uh, from Saturday Night Live. And each one of these to four are different. You know, and uh, and sometimes I, when I when I meet talented people like you who have just mastered your craft. I, I, I would like to slow it down and go, you know something? You talk about a, a rising athletic superstar in tennis. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. 
And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Tyler Perry, who has changed the production game, owns a studio, owns all his properties. Yeah. Got people who in New York City, Miami area, Florida area, real estate, real estate tycoon, black. King, yes. Self-made, by the way. Well, let me say one thing, because you talk about naturalism. Yes. And yes, when I do an interview with these sort of people... I am striving to have a conversation. Absolutely. I don't want to look at it like I wrote down 10 questions and I'm going to ask them an answer. Right. In order. I'm listening to you. I am trying to discern what it is that you really want to talk about. I am dialoguing you. I want to move you in a comfortable way through your memory bank and not have you sort of like jerking around through it. So you're, you know, I, and I want you to feel like you are never more heard than when you're talking to me. So I'm paying attention to you. I may be mirroring to a certain extent, your body language, sort of paying attention to the crevices and nuances of what you're saying, maybe laughing at your jokes and agreeing with your uh, ideas. And some of this begins before the interview even officially begins. And like when we're just sitting there waiting for the crew to be ready, I'm talking to you and giving you this treatment. I want you to feel heard and paid attention to so that then you feel comfortable talking to me and and letting that out. So we're having a natural conversation, Uh but I'm also making you feel comfortable and wanted and paid attention to. Um, And I think that goes a long way toward getting people to feel comfortable to open up. We talk, we're talking to Tori, uh, a best-selling author, writer, podcaster, the host of the Masters of the Game, which will be a monthly one-hour program on the grill. Um, when I was saying that was not an insult, just a, just a testament mm-hmm. to your talents. But, you know, yeah, you're no, doing no, no, something. No, absolutely. You know, but you're doing something that people always say don't do, you know, when you're about to interview somebody. You know, you, you leave valuable nuggets on the ground if you talk to them too much prior to it. And then you say, Rashawn. I talked to him prior to that. I, I, I established a, a zone of a conversation, and that's how I get into it. That's your style, and it works for you. Now, yeah. we know there are a lot of legendary interviewers out there, the Barbara Walters, the, the Oprah Winfrey's. What is the Tory style? Well, did, was that the Tory style of interviewing that you just gave us an example of? Pretty much. I mean, you know, for one thing, I like to make statements right. and have you respond to the statement. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes if I make a statement 
if I say, let's say I was interviewing you and I said, you're a great interviewer. Mm -hmm. You would take that where you think you should take that. (laughs) They go to your training as an interviewer or your style of preparation or whatever. You know, you were so great in that movie. Such a tough role. Right. And now you're going to go where you think that should go. If I if I tag that with a question, now I may have narrowed where you can go with your answer. And you may think, well, this is the more interesting answer, but he asked me this over here. So now I'm going to go over here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't give you the chance to choose what would be the most interesting answer to the subject of let's talk about your movie or let's talk about your book. Or, let's talk about your interviewing skills or you know what it was like when you played with the Lakers or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I I love the statement as a question. Every once in a while, you get people who are like, that wasn't a question. And they're like, what am I supposed to do? Right, 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 right. And and sometimes sometimes people say, uh, it took me a minute to get used to that because I was like, he's not asking questions. And they're like, oh, this is the way he does it. There is also a value in asking questions, all right? Sometimes I do want to target you toward a specific thing. Um, but, you know, I, I love the conversationalist statement approach. I want it to feel natural. I want it to feel like you're talking to a friend. Um, you know, everything is about follow-ups. It's really never in the first question. The first question is just like a jab. It's just probing, just, Hey, I want to talk about this general area of Mm -hmm. your life. And then after that, I may go into one or two, or if it's really important, three follow-ups and there, I don't, I I don't need, and I can't really write down what the follow-ups are going to be because I need to listen to you and Mm -hmm. hear what did you say that was interesting? What do I want to go deeper on? What part of the answer did you not give me. So as you're talking, I'm sort of calculating like how much more space is there in this topic that you haven't yet touched on? And is it interesting? Do I need to try to get you to touch on that or should I move on to something else entirely? But, you know, I have to be very actively listening and thinking about what is the overall conversation that I want to have with this person um, not just waiting for them to finish talking so I can go on to the next question. Wow. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. I'm going to ask you this, Tori. You have a lot of titles and a lot of loves. TV host, author, music journalist, cultural critic, podcaster. We talked about hey, Rashad. I just got off playing tennis today. It's a, it's a passion I go back. I love, like I like for instance. Now I have a love for baking. It relaxes me. It takes me out of my space. Stress is gone. So I go in there. I can see results when I bake. TV host, author, music journalist, cultural critic, podcaster. Which one jumps out outside of tennis? Which one jumps out to say, you know, I'm gonna follow this? Outside of tennis, that was the one I was gonna shoot. No, you could. Wait. You could. Which one? Is the the de-stressor? Is that yes, what you're a de-stressor. You know, I I find enjoyment in it because you know a lot of things we do we do it because we're gifted at it. You know, what I'm saying. I mean, I I enjoy the vast majority of the 
work that I do. Okay. Um, I, I'm hardly ever doing something that I'm like, I don't want to do this. Right. Um, you know, I love writing, whether it's writing books or writing short essays. I love podcasting. I love hosting television shows. That's right. really exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, all of it is 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 interesting to me. And I try to set myself up that I am doing things that I am excited about. Right. Because then the outcome will be better. And one of the great things about being at the Grio was they were kind of like, okay, we need content. And I said, okay, great. I want to do this, 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 and this. And they were like, fantastic. Let's do A, B, and C. Cause you don't have time to do six things, but you can do, let's do these three. So they're saying to me, this is what we want you to do. Um, you know, they're giving me the latitude to choose what it is that I'm doing. I, I've worked on a podcast that's going to come out next year. It's a bit of a audio documentary. It's called Being Black in the 80s, uh, where we talk about the black sociopolitical issues from the 80s, but we use the lens of popular 80s songs. Um, and and sort of tease out the political meanings out of them. So, for example, the first episode is uh, Tracy Chapman's "Fast Car." Where we talk about beautiful song, uh, beautiful the song. rise of poverty in the mm-hmm. '80s in mm-hmm. the black community, mm-hmm. um, the importance of affirmative action, the importance of mm-hmm. uh, and the value of uh, Afrocentric and diasporic thinking. Um, you know, is the the importance of self esteem at that time. So there, so you, so we use the song as a leaping off point to tell the story of the eighties. So it's it's really interesting. That series is done. We're starting to work on the second series, the second season, um, but that'll come out next year. But th- this is something they were like, we want a podcast. Like, what do you got in mind? Like, well. <laughs> this is what I would like to do. And they supported me on the concept that I had. And, um, you know, it's really exciting to have people say, what do you want to do? We want to support you in the ideas that you have. I I, I love listening to you. I love the, you know, your type of guy that I can just sit around and just and have a good conversation. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink liquor, so I wouldn't be drinking wine. So I would probably be drinking a strawberry milkshake or something because I love sweets. Did you did you ever drink alcohol? No, I didn't. I, it's just it, it was just not it was just I just didn't like the taste. And it was just yeah. and so same thing with coffee and tea. But when I would but you're the you're the person that I think I have to have something that resembles liquor in my hand talking to you because your you, your personality looms itself in that direction of going, man, this guy is so cool. This guy is so intellectual. This guy is so comfortable with himself. I think that when I when I the enjoyment of watching the series and the episode I did watch, watching Masters of the Game, it wasn't about you. It was about the person you was interviewing and what you can get out of them. And you actually, and I'm not saying this in a negative, you, other than your visual, you became invisible. And I was focused on that guest. That is incredibly gifted, my friend. And I I, I have to compliment you on that. That, I appreciate that. That's that's the job that you, that we are here to listen to him or her. And I want to put the focus on them, the spotlight on them. Um, you know, it, it's 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 their world. I'm ushering you through it. Um, but you know, we try to usher you through it in an elegant way. So, you know, 
Sure. If you watch a basketball game or a football game and you don't think about the referees, that the, the referees did a great job. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, in a way, I would say it's something similar for an interviewer. Although I guess I never watch interviews that way because I'm always being critical of the interviewer and saying, oh, you know, he's, he went on too long with that question. You don't need long questions. You can have short targeted questions because Mm -hmm. people like the sound of their own voice and they like talking. So let them talk a lot, right? If they are talking 60 to 70% of the time, that's a good interview because you asked a bunch of short questions that led to, you know, great expansive answers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so a lot of interviewers ask long questions. They don't think about the question that they want to ask before they start asking it. So they're kind of thinking it through as they're, talking and meandering and then they find a question and I'm like, you were not prepared to ask a question in that moment. Now, <laughs> um, the person who I really could say I never criticized and I think is the best interviewer in America without question is Oprah. Mm-hmm. She's extraordinary and I watch her do interviews and I'm like, this is whatever she does is the way you do it. So just copy her and be more like her. And I notice a lot of times, you know, the naturalism that you talk about, I'm trying to um, evoke some of her style. She's good at making statements. She's good at asking very short or natural questions. I also notice a lot of times she doesn't seem to have notes, which makes me think that she is moving she has she has deeply imbibed the research. However, she's not necessarily one to come out with a bunch of statistics and stuff. She is working with her deep and genuine curiosity of the crevices of your life. So she doesn't need, you know, a bunch of notes to know. I'm going to ask Meghan Markle, was it the queen who said some racist stuff? Or was it, you know, Prince Charles who said some racist stuff? Were you silenced or were you silent? And like these sort of, you know, she's she's following her deep sense of curiosity and her ability to intellectually understand the situation or at least the terrain that we're moving in the conversation. Um, she, she's a brilliant conversationalist. And um, I every interview I watch of hers, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this woman is brilliant. Well, I'm going to put the word brilliant on you. And I would take this as we close out. I'm talking to Tori, the host of Masters of the Game, a monthly one-hour interview program. Sit down, chat, chat on the grill. And uh, Oprah's famous. Oprah's well-known. Oprah, a lot of people get nervous when they walk in the room to talk to Oprah. That's But it's her job to chill you out. Make you but, but listen to me, sir. This is a compliment to you. You. Your brilliance of that's why I had to let you remind you of that diverse people that you just said, four people. Then you got Doc Rivers coming up, you got Debbie Allen coming up here. Okay. I don't believe you're making people nervous when they come in the room based on the potential star power that Oprah brings to the table. But what you do make them is tell their story. That's a gift you have, Tori. That's a gift that I admire. I wanted to just bring you on my show, not only just to promote your brand, but also introduce you to my audience because a skill set like yours can sometimes go underappreciated. But, but I appreciate it. And I also appreciate the fact that you have shown us that you can be 
follow your dreams in a lot of different lanes and people will accept that and also give you a creative lane to build more. You're special, my brother. And I want to thank you. I'll be watching Masters of the Game. I'll be promoting the Masters of the Game. I love what Byron Allen is doing. He is changing the game and you're part of that big change at the grill. Keep winning, my brother. And thank you for coming thank on Money Making Conversations Masterclass. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Talk soon. All right, Pete. <laughs>